The following podcast is a presentation of Project Entertainment Network. Welcome to Vicious Whispers with Mark Tullius, your source for horror, sci-fi, suspense, and all things violent. Hey, what's going on, guys? Thank you so much for joining me today on Vicious Whispers with Mark Tullius. Today we have episode 113. The short story at the end of the episode is from 25 Perfect Days Plus 5 More. That short story is seven to go. It is a pretty brutal story. Um, I really enjoyed writing it. It goes into uh, what you would do to survive. A lot of 25 Perfect Days is about that. Like, okay, what would you what would you sacrifice in order to save yourself or a family member? And that's what that one is about. We'll play that at the end of the story. Gonna be kind of a short episode today. I'm about to head out to the beach to spend a couple days with my family at Newport Beach. Uh, should be fun, even though I just fucked up my MCL. But we'll get into that in a second. Uh, trying to stay positive. But first off, um, 113 episodes. So that's pretty cool because there have been many times where I've wanted to stop this thing. I just got tired of it, didn't want to do it anymore. Just want to say, fuck it. Um, which is exactly what I did with unlocking my very first podcast. Uh, I just noticed that today. I think it was October 2018. I filmed episode 113. I'd been building it up, building it up, doing pretty good. But that's when I went into a pretty bad depression. I shut that down. I had started Vicious Whispers as well. I think I did five episodes on this one. Shut that down. Didn't say a word. Didn't post anything. Turned off all social media. I believe it was about the time I was releasing Unlocking the Cage. Uh, it's had a really bad, a uh, little bit of a breakdown. Just needed to get away from everything, shut everything down. Um, very self-destructive. I sabotaged myself a lot. That's what I did with that one. Uh, this one, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to keep on going. I'm enjoying this. I'm having more, meeting more and more people, having cool conversations. I definitely want to be doing a lot more interviews. Uh, in the next week or two, I'm doing the Rock Down podcast, which should be cool, talking about heavy metal. Um, uh, there's a bunch of different ones that are planned. So that should be pretty cool. Looking forward to that. Um, and then having guests on here. My guest last week, Chris Sanderholm, hopefully you guys were inspired by his story. I know I was. I was definitely motivated. Got me back into working out again. In fact, on Monday, I'm going to be meeting with Chris. I'm hiring him to do my um, my physical, my dieting plan, my, my eating plan. Um, I know how to do it. I've done it before. But my problem is I self-destruct a lot. Um, and just if I have someone to hold me accountable, someone to, like Chris obviously knows what he's doing. So I want him to figure out what I need to do. Once I have a plan, it's pretty easy to stick to, especially if I have someone that I'm accountable to. So looking forward to that. That's pretty cool that that happened. Um, as for my knee, that was a bummer. Uh, that happened because, well, because I'm old and I beat the shit out of my body. Uh, that's the main reason. Uh, the other reason is because I was pretending that I was still an athlete when I wasn't. Um, my wife and two kids have been uh, playing tennis. They've been learning how to play tennis, taking private lessons, really enjoying it, having a lot of fun. Uh, my wife would like me to play. So the other day I was like, oh, I'll be a good husband. And I went and I just hit around with her. I was terrible, but it was fun. It was, it was good enough. My knees were kind of aching a little bit, especially my left knee. So, uh, but I was like, yeah, I'll come back. I'll do it again. I'll even take a lesson with you. And so the next night, uh, I took a lesson with her on the way in. She was telling me about tennis shoes and how they're good. So you don't blow out your knees and stuff like that. And how I should get them if I'm going to continue. 
I was like, oh, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. Uh, it was an awesome lesson. Great lesson. They have a great coach. Uh, having a lot of fun. And we started rallying. And then one ball was hit pretty far. And I ran for it as fast as I could. Uh, way too fast. Uh, saw the fence was coming up. Tried to stop. And my knee, uh, the MCL popped. I don't know how bad of a tear it is. Hopefully, it's not too bad. Hopefully, I'll be able to rehab it without surgery. Uh, but I was pretty bummed. And I slammed into the fence pretty hard, too. Uh, I had a nice bruise on my forearm. So that sucked. But even though I was disappointed by that, upset by it a little, you know, I wasn't angry about it happening because of tennis or anything. Like I'd been recently, we'd been doing jujitsu and I kept telling my wife, I was like, man, my, my knees just don't feel good. I'm very scared that if someone lands on me wrong or if it's just the wrong movement, like my knee could pop. And so I think it was just a matter of time. It didn't matter what was going on. I could have been running. I could have been doing something else. Um, it was just shit was bound to happen. So not going to be upset about it. Uh, but what I'd, I'd really been upset about before I even went in there was I was getting ready just to throw away. Uh, I was seriously considering just throwing out tales of the blessed and broken, uh, which was very upsetting to even consider. But I've been struggling with writing the bridge, which is book two. Ain't no Messiah was the first book. Uh, second book is supposed to be the bridge. I'd already written like half of it a long time ago. Uh, over the last month or so, I went back through everything I've written, cleaned up the first third of it, really happy with that. Those are like the early years in the character's development. Wasn't sure how it was going to blend with the rest of the story. It, things didn't seem to be balancing that well. I was getting frustrated. And then I realized like, well, fuck, not only do I have the bridge, but then I have book three, I have book four, I have book five. I was like, that's a big commitment for something that I'm struggling with. If I were to struggle through this whole process, I was like, that would suck. Um, so I had that in my mind, but at the same time, I was like, well, I also have a lot of distractions going on. Maybe that's why I can't concentrate. I've been distracted with Derek the Demon. I haven't touched him this week because I was like, you know what? I need to concentrate on my writing, um, you know, and just all these different things that are going on. So I was like, okay, I'll focus. I'll think about it. But after the injury, I was talking to my wife about it, uh, not about the injury, about the the problem with the book and wanting to chuck it. And she's read so much. She's read way more than I have. And she was telling me about different authors that have stopped work. She reminded me about Stephen King and the, the, uh, the Dark Tower series and how much time he took off in between and all these other like sci-fi writers that have, you know, taken breaks from books. And she's like, well, just work on something else. And, uh, but I came up with another solution and it's because of the things that she said. And because I talked it over with her um, about, I want to, so the plan now is um, that first act that I have of uh, the bridge, uh, the, his early years, I'm going to turn that, just really clean that up. I'm also going to do the early years for the got the main character in the third book. Um, so I will do his early years, which is going to be like nine. It's a pretty much the equivalent of like nine short stories. And then the guy who's in book five, um, I'm going to do his early years. And so what's awesome about that is I'm going to be able to have all these short stories, uh, knowing that the first nine are already done. I just have to clean them up and maybe rearrange them a little bit. So I have 18 short stories to write. I love writing short stories. Uh, they're going to be powerful. I'll be able to, I will release those on the Kindle, Kindle Bella. It's a new program they have for like serialized episodes. So I'll be able to release those one at a time. And then when they're all released, I'll put them together just as a book. And by that time I should be done with the bridge. Um, and all this, all doing all this early stuff is going to really help me know these characters a lot better. By the time I'm done with them, I'll know what happens in the, 
in their adult version, the the last day of the life. This is a retelling of Ragnarok, and so uh, it's the last day on Earth. So uh, that is what I am working on. I'm super excited about it. I went from being very depressed about it, uh, you know, being healthy, but being depressed, being in a funk because of this writing, like it was just really upsetting me. To even though I fucked up my knee. I'm not going to be able to train. I'm not going to be able to do the things I wanted to do in uh, Rhode Island and see all my buddies and train with them. Um, now I'm super positive. I'm super happy. I'm excited about uh, this development. All I was working on yesterday and this morning was these short stories uh, taken to the beach so I could develop them some more. I think they're going to be pretty powerful. They're going to be brutal, um, which is what I like to write. So very traumatic stuff for kids. Um yeah, I think all these are going to be when the kids are between like 5 to 17. So that is what I have going on. Very busy, uh, but I'm motivated. I'm excited. I think I could maybe even knock out all these short stories before I'm done with Rhode Island or pretty close to it. So that's what I'll be working on. Um, I think that's it. Yeah. Why don't we go out on that, guys? I have to get ready for the beach. I got to help out, get the kids ready and all that good stuff. Let's go out on seven to go. Again, this one's pretty brutal, but just think, what would you do if you were in that same situation? Would you make those same decisions? So here it is, narrated by, by my buddy, David Thompson, 25 perfect days plus five more, seven to go. All right, guys, later. Seven to go. August 31st, 2054. Robert Edgefield sank into the wheelchair and gathered his coat. He hated being pushed around by others, but he no longer had the strength to do it himself. His older brother, Troy, never complained about his new role as caregiver, but Robert felt nothing but humiliation, especially as they entered the air-conditioned lobby of the animal hospital. The two remaining employees were just about to lock up. They barely glanced in Robert's direction. There was only one reason anyone showed up here without a pet. Dr. Cooper appeared in the doorway and held up his bloody gloves. I'll be ready in a minute. I just need to clean up. Dr. Cooper forced a smile before disappearing into the back, leaving the two brothers alone in the room. You sure about this? Troy asked. Where else am I going to go? Troy wheeled Robert by a plant and took a seat on one of the red plastic chairs. While Troy flipped through a magazine, Robert stared at a poster of a kitten, pawing into a goldfish bowl. Troy's nostril whistle was only adding to Robert's stress, so he told him to go drive around, that he'd call when he was ready to be picked up. Troy just kept reading his article. Robert didn't push it. Troy had finally stopped trying to pay for Robert to see a real doctor. Robert hated himself for bringing his brother into this mess, but there was no one else he could trust. Dr. Cooper strolled into the waiting room and quickly shut the blinds. Sorry about the wait, Mr. Edgefield. Oh, no worries. Dr. Cooper asked if he was ready, and Robert nodded. He hadn't eaten in days, and Robert found it increasingly difficult to carry on conversations. Troy started to stand, but Robert waved him off, said he was fine. Dr. Cooper let Troy know they'd be about an hour, then gripped the handles and wheeled Robert past the receptionist's desk. When they entered the hallway, 
A wave of delicious smells filled Robert's nose, a hint of mesquite and the hearty aroma of steak. It was coming from the bags of dog food lining the wall, but it didn't stop him from salivating. If he had more energy, he would have torn open a 50-pound sack and poured the entire thing down his throat. Consequences be damned. But Robert quickly came to his senses. He was fortunate, blessed with a beautiful child, and he wouldn't risk her safety. Teresa, his adoring wife, had already been taken by the controllers, another number chalked up to the goddamn Reduction Act. If it came down to it, Robert swore he'd never eat another bite. He prayed it wouldn't come to that. There was talk legislation might be passed to loosen the requirements. But even if the lawmakers actually pulled it off, Robert knew it wouldn't happen before tomorrow at three o'clock. As they neared the swinging double doors, a huge cockroach scurried out from under a bag of dog food. Robert thought how lucky the little bastard was, able to eat whatever it wanted, right before the wheel of his chair crushed it. But even then, he couldn't help envying its quick death. They passed through the swinging doors and entered the main kennel. Dr. Cooper stopped the wheelchair in front of the floor scale they used for large breed dogs. Do you need me to help you get undressed, Robert? Robert wanted to say he was a grown man, to leave him the hell alone, but he didn't have the strength to pull himself out of the wheelchair, let alone unbutton his shirt and pants. When Robert nodded, Dr. Cooper helped him out of the chair and had Robert lean against the wall for support. As soon as Dr. Cooper removed Robert's jacket, Robert began to shiver. By the time his pants and long-sleeved shirt were on the floor, Robert couldn't stop his teeth from chattering. Jesus, the doctor gasped. Robert laughed. I'm just getting ready for my modeling career. His bones looked like they were trying to carve through his skin. Robert slid his hand over his sunken stomach. I'm sorry, I just... I'm sorry. The doctor helped Robert step onto the scale. After a second, Dr. Cooper said, That can't be right. Scoot over here a second while I check it. Robert sighed. Don't bother. It's right. Same as I was at home. The doctor looked up at Robert. I don't understand. Last year you made weight and you weren't nearly this thin. Robert motioned for the doctor to help him back in the wheelchair and cover him with his coat. Yeah, well, that was before June. That's when the controllers dropped the weight requirement another ten pounds. Right, right, Dr. Cooper said, as if he wasn't well aware of this. Seven pounds is a lot, though, Robert. You sure you're up for it? Does it matter? Yeah, I need to hear you say it. Robert pulled a thick envelope from his coat pocket. Here's your answer. The doctor took the envelope. You know what they'd do to me for this. I know. I'm sorry. I thought they were going to pass the height exemption. Dr. Cooper fingered through the $100 bills. He slapped the envelope against his palm and asked Robert one last time if he was sure. I have a three-year-old. Just do it. Okay, well, you know your brother is going to have to take care of you for a few weeks. Is that going to be a problem? It'll be fine. Is he still at the prison? Yeah. Because you need... Robert cut him off. I have it covered, and if you can't get on with this, I doubt my brother will have a problem reporting your little operation. 
Dr. Cooper clenched his jaw, then wheeled Robert over to a steel table. He helped Robert up, laid his face down with his shoulders and head hanging over the edge. Dr. Cooper rolled over a surgical tray stand for Robert to rest his head on. Shaking from the cold, Robert asked, Any way you can turn off that AC? Sure. He hit a switch on the wall and picked up a syringe from the counter. But after this, you won't be feeling a thing. He flicked the syringe. Ready? Robert felt his throat close, simply nodded. The doctor plunged the needle into Robert's right shoulder and injected the bright green solution. Cold rushed through Robert's body. Dr. Cooper was right. Two seconds later, Robert couldn't feel anything. Let's see if it's working, Dr. Cooper said. He sounded like he was getting a kick out of it. Robert turned his head as the good doctor picked up a scalpel and stabbed the meat of Robert's left calf. Anything? Dr. Cooper asked. Robert shook his head, queasy as he watched the blood spill out of the incision. Good, he set the scalpel onto the tray. I'll be back in a minute. Give the drug some time to fully kick in. Robert grunted, part of him wishing he'd get this over with, the other part wishing the doctor would never return and just leave him alone with his thoughts of Teresa. How thin she looked before she stepped on that scale. One pound. That's all she was over. You could see every bone in her body, but at six foot one, she wasn't skinny enough for the state. Robert replayed every meal, every drink he allowed Teresa the week before her death. Then the month, then the year. So many chances to take away her plate. All he had to do was not cook three meals, and she'd still be with him. A loud clang woke Robert from his dream. He saw the acetylene torch Dr. Cooper had just dropped onto the surgical tray, the studded dog collar and leashes in the doctor's hands. Oh, don't worry about these. They work better than anything else I've tried. Yeah. Dr. Cooper wrapped the collar around Robert's thigh and cinched it tight. The leashes went around Robert's chest, waist, and legs, right above his knees. Last time you moved too much. These should keep you still. Dr. Cooper pulled the leashes again, tied them under the table. I don't need to restrain your arms, do I? Unsure if the doctor was trying to be funny, Robert told him to start the procedure. No sensation, right? Cooper asked. Robert had to look to see the doctor was lifting his leg off the table. Nothing. Good, because seven pounds means we're going to have to go deep. Robert remembered when he had boulders for calves. His legs had been so strong he could dunk at fourteen. When the whine of the saw shook Robert from his thoughts, he said, I used to be small forward for the Bruins. All conference. Three years in a row. That must have been fun. Were you looked at by the pros? No, my knees were shot, and the NBA was pretty much dismantled by then. One explosion. Who'd have thought that's all it would take? The saw's whine grew louder. Robert saw the flesh and blood flying and splattering. Robert closed his eyes and continued talking about designing his own sneaker when he was getting recruited in high school. They were going to be in every mall. Dr. Cooper had to stand to get the leverage to carve through the bone. My parents were just glad I was getting an education, Dr. Cooper said. They were so happy to have a doctor in the family.
even if I was just a vet. I'm sure. They died a few years back. I stupidly mentioned bleach would damage their intestines so they never decontaminated their drinking water. Robert was surprised to find himself sympathizing with a man sawing through his leg. Is that why you do this? Risk everything? Robert said. I mean, ten grand won't buy you anything these days. Dr. Cooper's eyes narrowed, and his lips pursed as he applied more pressure to the saw. He'd hit the center of the bone. Feeling nauseous, Robert lowered his head. A few minutes later, he jumped when he heard a loud pop, followed by a splashy thud. Dr. Cooper apologized. Robert lifted a bit and looked. The blade had gone clean through his leg and embedded in the table. The thud must have been Robert's tibia hitting the floor. Dr. Cooper picked up the torch. Cover your nose, we're almost done. When Robert came to an hour later, he found himself strapped to his wheelchair. Troy was sitting next to him in the little room. Hey bro, how you feeling? I don't know. I don't feel much. That's good. Troy held the glass up to Robert's lips. Have a sip. Robert let the water touch his lips, then pulled away. I better not. Don't worry, you're three pounds under, and that's with your bandages. You're going to be fine. Robert stared down at his gauzy stumps, the right one slightly shorter. It started to finally sink in. He'd never walk again, but at least he'd get another year with his little girl. Robert said, Let's just hope the controllers don't drop the weight limit again. He wiggled his left stump of his shoulder. Because I'm running out of options. This has been a presentation of the Project Entertainment Network.